0: fucking texting me, shit dick, fuck, 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 cocksucker, oh, I hate doing these intros, go to a bookstore and buy my book, Life, the Party, today's guest, oh, I'm still on tour, everybody, go to BertBertBert.com, I know I'm in Dayton, and Fort Lauderdale, today's guest, radio show legend and pioneer, John Debella
1: This is
0: <laughs>
2: Oh, I see what's going on here.
0: I've got a break. I've got a break. Um, I'm, I'm now I'm obsessed.
2: What? What are you obsessed with?
0: Um, are we recording yet? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh yes. Uh, I'm obsessed <laughs> with. I I. You know what's so funny is I would have never cared in my entire life if you would said uh, getting on the New York Times best selling author list. Right. But now that you, once you get a book, it's like the, it's like the high water mark. Yeah. Right. But you only really need to sell like twenty five hundred books. Really, because nobody reads anymore. No one does. <laughs> it's like back in the day, it had to be like ten thousand. Right, right now, now opening week, you got to sell like twenty five hundred, and I'm mm-hmm. so close. I'm thinking about. Well,
2: they're not counting the ones you're selling at the club, are they? N- no,
0: they are. They okay. count those. They oh, count those. Okay, okay. okay. I, I was proactive about it, so I think all in all, I will have sold by myself with my own work mm-hmm. about seven hundred fifty books. Okay, and then pre-orders are. I I don't know where pre-orders are now, but I think they're. I got to be close. I got to be close. I'm dying to know. Well, actually, if anyone listening to this they already know
2: mm-hmm. oh because by the time this hits yeah I'll, i'm gonna drop web.
0: yeah i'm gonna drop this next week so right. by the time they hear this they'll be like oh okay. All right.
2: so they know something you don't know so we're living in the past and they're part of the future
0: yeah they're they're either like god he thought he was close he wasn't uh-huh. even close uh-huh. see, or they're
2: gonna be like he was really close uh, see when you reach my age you, you do everything possible to not live in the past wait how old are you uh, i i i am about to be 64.
0: Really? Yeah. So funny, 64 seems so young now. Uh, 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 it doesn't uh, seem like it did. I don't
2: sing that Beatles song, by the way. I don't sing <laughs> what's that. What, what, what's that? When I'm 64? No, <laughs> I don't sing that song at all. I hate that fucking song. When I'm 41, <laughs> yeah,
0: I'll still be drinking, sleeping in my underwear.
2: When I'm 41. No one ever believes, and i don't say this about myself, no, no one ever believes my age. Really? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks. That just made me feel real comfortable. Really? (laughs) No, you really look it. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, how old were you when you got into radio? Uh, twenty-seven. That's old. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No. 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 My degree is in scenic lighting and costume design. I can sew. (laughs) Scenic lighting and costume design. Yeah. 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 And what year when you were you?
0: How? What year was it when you declared that major?
2: Uh, nineteen sixty-eight.
0: That reeks of gay.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> In as, 1968, as that I, I'll tell. I'll tell you a very funny, uh, you know, reek of gay story. Uh, I went to Hoshing University. Do you know who Chris Albrecht is? Yeah, I, of course uh, I do. Well, Chris Albrecht and I have been friends since since like junior high school.
0: He did a really good podcast on Barry Katz's podcast. Did you ever listen to it? No, 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 no. It's really good. He's an int- He's got an interesting backstory.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I I, I know more of it than most people do. <laughs> <laughs> I know the parts that Chris don't tell.
0: Everyone One that. Everyone that's listening, Chris, Chris Albrecht uh, was a bartender at the Improv, the Improv, right? And uh, went on to run HBO and mm-hmm. what we know as the heyday of HBO. Sure, he, he created,
2: yeah, he created uh, yeah, the Sopranos is his, and 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 uh, oh god, just endless. I mean, yeah. there's just every, er, everything up until the past few years, really. And now he's he's stars. So yeah, all he's the stars. Shows, all and and still, shows, by the way, stars says, has my favorite show ever. Black Sails, uh, right? Yeah, I so he, that's expl- so that channel is exploding. Yeah. Right. So anyway, so so Chris and I, we went to, we went to Hofstra University together, and one day we're in the drama department, right, and and he, he, I think he was studying acting, and I, I was, you know, I knew I could act, so I never felt I had to. Right. You know, take yeah. an acting class. And yeah. I took a couple of acting classes and I'm like, I breeze them and I go, like, okay, I have this down. Yeah. Right? I don't, I don't need, you know, to, 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 to study this. I've got it down. Right. So, so one day we're, we're in the, the theater, the main theater and they have a call board and it's everything that's going on in all of the theaters. And we're standing there and we're looking at this one casting sheet and everybody that's on it. And, and we're like, gay. Gay, lesbian, gay, 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 lesbian. And I look at Chris and go, are we doing something wrong? <laughs> You're doing something right because all they're all single women with no options. <laughs> it was just like we were. I mean, it was really, really hilarious. Right? Oh, that's but, crazy. But, um, no, I've been. I've been called that. I'm, I'm a sensitive new age guy. I have no. I have no problem with it. I. I have proudly been called. I have friends who refer to being gay as uh, being modern. That was their that was their code word for it. Nice, and, right, and I have been proudly told that I, I, I'm a very modern man, and, <laughs> and I, I really don't have a problem with it. You know, it's like I'm I'm comfortable with my own sexuality. I know yeah. where I stand, yeah. and if somebody thinks I'm gay, well, more power to them. Hey,
0: I think I'm gay more than people think I'm gay. Probably, <laughs> I always say my joke on stage is I'm not homo. I'm not homophobic. I'm a homochondriac. Like I'm comfortable with your gay lifestyle. I'm just afraid one night you'll get me drunk and trick me into it, and I'll like it a lot. The so wait, 27. You start in Philly? Uh,
2: no, no. I start in New York. I'm in I'm New York. Oh, yeah, Hofstra, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a New Yorker. All right? Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. Born and bred.
0: So uh, wait, what? You, the, the, when you got into radio, what was like the? Because I always put radio in like um, in like three categories, and mm-hmm. that is. It's uh, it's like Wolfman Jack, right. the morning zoo profile, and then right. shock jockery.
2: Okay. All right. I was, uh, well, then you see you're, because you're younger, you're leaving a step out. What's the step right? I'm and that, the FM. Right? The big, the big, Wolfman Jack, everybody, you know, the boss jocks. Yeah. Right? And then the switch from AM radio to FM radio and the guys who would stay there at night saying, all right, we're going to play you. Some Grateful Dead. But before we do that, let's look at the moon. The moon looks great tonight. And then we just go on, you know, until he's— So you had that stage, and that's where I came in. I came really? into the FM years where where it was all about the music. Is that it what the? Really uh, was, is what was, that what
0: the, uh, Steely Dan had a song called FM?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Really, that's exactly that is exactly it. And and the, the the film, the incredibly terrible film, right? That was that that song was made for. Yeah. is based on a lot of reality and probably the high point of that movie. I saw that as a press screening. Right, with with nothing but radio people. Yeah. And in comes Tom Petty, who is stoned out of his tits <laughs> in the movie. And everybody is laughing hysterically because Tom was new to the scene at that time. Yeah. And anybody who had done an interview with him had done an interview with him, and he was stoned. Really, so the fact that he was stoned <sighs> in the movie was like, oh, this makes all the sense in the world. Oh, that's great. Um, but we laughed at
0: the film for the wrong reasons. So, so wait, um, did you have one of those shows where you talked into the mic? I, I,
2: i I didn't have the, the late light one i had i had the the morning ones i had uh i had a show uh on i start i started out on a Sunday overnight which is nobody's going to hear you uh, so go in there and make mistakes right and then I got the uh the Saturday morning show or what I referred to as the the we want you to quit shift right Saturday morning six to ten and then the Saturday overnight ten to four. Right wow. so, yeah yeah yeah, so so wow. yeah, so it that was a brutalizing thing to to my to my body, but eventually, I ended up getting Saturday morning, six to ten, and then Sunday morning, seven to like one, so I had this great show and this great platform. And it was on for six hours, which no other jock was. Holy and cow. It, and it gave me the opportunity to really spread my wings and get some stuff. And because of it, and I am the only person, I've told the story a couple of times before, but I am the only person in this industry, I am positive, I am the only person in this industry who could say this, that I was taken off of the air because of high ratings, Wait, what? Why? Why did they take you off the air because of high ratings? Well, they had a guy on during the week. This guy, Larry Kleinman, who had an incredible voice, but that really was all of his talent.
0: Is that what? Is that what it was about back then? Back then yeah, it was all. It was about just you about sound. your voice. Yeah,
2: the, the way you sound and 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 your and your speak. You're would bigger. they read? Would they write copy for you as a DJ? No, 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 no. They would be. They would write the copy for everybody, and it was just a matter of how did you deliver it. And it really, was all, it was all about being the jock and being the guy on the radio and telling the stories and all of that. And and uh, but Larry and Irie did the show during the week, and he was their star performer, and uh, and he had this one feature, they used to have this feature called the Magic Bus, and they would take a topic, a news story, something like that, and they'd intersperse pieces from songs into it, and then when it was over with, and it came as a service, it came on a tape, right, it was like three or five minutes long, and then when it was over, he would program topical music about it. So if it was about transportation, he would play the Magic Bus by The Who, and Driving in My Car, you know, and things like that, right? So, and it was just a huge bit. It was a huge, huge thing. Well, they noticed that my Sunday morning ratings were higher than any of his weekday ratings, and they actually said this to me. You're probably not following the format, right, because there's no way that you could be doing better than Larry Kleinman, our star performer. Yeah. And I'm going like, well, wait a second. How about the? Let's just throw one possibility in there. And he goes, "What that? Maybe I'm better. Yeah. Right. You know, and they're like, no, 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 that can't be. And they literally pulled me off the air, but asked me to stay at the station. Are you serious? Right. And, and uh, by staying at the station, they're I like, did... you're using steroids. <laughs> Something. <laughs> We're going to have to put an asterisk by these numbers. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. Uh, but they asked me to stay and be the station's production director, the guy who made all the imaging for the radio station, and did the commercials and all that stuff. But by putting me in that position, it gave me the opportunity to shine in a way that I didn't know I had the ability to do. And uh that brought another – a, a program director from another radio station to me, and he said, look, he says, if you can do – he says, I w- I'd love to make you a morning man. On a top forty radio station, yeah. right, which was like the curse if you were in FM. Right? Oh, that's so funny! It sounds like it would be a blessing now. No, no, no. no. Well, well, yeah, well, Now it ended up being one, right? But it's kind of like it's kind of
0: like a like uh, and I go back to my buddy Cowhead, who changed his name by the way. Uh-huh. But like he's got a radio show in Tampa, and he got put on, and he just thought it was like then he's gonna hate that I'm saying this, but he got put on um, classic rock, right? And then now it's like classic rock was the place that you should have been because mm-hmm. they got rid of a lot of the classic rock music. And and now those are open talk shows.
2: Right. <laughs> well, yeah. Like, well, this is a class. I work at a classic rock station and yeah. we keep all the music and I'm fine with it. I love. I mean, I, by the way, I, when I'm on the road, I listen to classic rock stations
0: because that's the music I like listening to.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the, it's, it, it, well, you know what? Because this brings up, up the problem with rock and roll nowadays. The problem with rock and roll and, 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 and okay, my core audience is uh, 25 to 54-year-old men and women, adults, yeah. as they put it, right? Uh, I'm number two in the market behind my good friends Preston and Steve. We work for the same company. They, you know, they, 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 Those guys kick ass. God bless them for it, right? Yeah. I'm number two. I'm happy to be. I'm, I've been in this market 31 years to be number two. After 31 years in the market, it's a friggin' miracle.
0: Okay. I, yeah, you're telling me. <laughs> right, I'm so. number seven on my network. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But um, no, no, I'm trying to remember why I get it. Oh, oh, but my number two group of people is 18 to 24-year-old males. Yeah. Okay. Now, the question is, you know, why would that be? And the reason is, is because rock and roll has become so homogenized and has been, has been you know, it, it's like a band comes out and they have a song and you go and you buy the album and most of the rest of the album sounds like that song. Yeah, you know where 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 when they find somebody like Led Zeppelin. Yes, Led Zeppelin sounds like Led Zeppelin on everything they do, but every song sounds different.
0: That's really interesting. So it's almost like as if these young bands have have said we want to be like Led Zeppelin, and they go we'll just start sounding like like one thing. Right, but Led Zeppelin, you are right; they're totally right. They totally don't sound. They uh, uh, Some songs don't
2: even, you're like, what is this doing on the album? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this doesn't even sound like what you'd expect. Which is also the reason why I have no sympathy for the record business, right? Because the record business fucked itself. Do you uh, remember the payola days? Uh, and I wasn't there for that. Uh, the closest I got was fishola. What's that? Uh, somebody took me out for a fish dinner. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's really about it. The payola thing was really, really, I mean, I mean it is, it, 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 it cracks me up that the, the the federal government looks at radio and to this day, I have to every year sign a pay a, a payola slash plugola statement really? that I am not doing this. Right, and although I uh, and although I do plug things, the things I do plug are good, you know, charities and and people doing good work in and about the city, or something that's going on that I think is a great idea. And in that case, it's it's really just my opinion. It's not me, and I do it once. It's not me trying to, you know. Push something. where in yeah. the in the Plugola days. It was you know songs were, were people were getting paid for putting songs on the air. And the reason why that's illegal is it's technically mail fraud. Now follow. Here we go. Guy pays you money to put this record on the air. You report to the Billboard charts how much you're pay, you're you're playing it other radio stations see that report and think that it is real meanwhile I mean, you might not even be playing it at all you're just saying you're playing it yeah. right that billboard got went through the mail that billboard got oh, to, shut it up. is mail fraud.
0: That's like an Al Capone switcher <laughs> exactly. roll. Exactly. exactly. Holy
2: cow. Right. But at the same time, so the, so the federal government goes off doing this. Do you know, you know when you walk into your supermarket and you see a, you know, a, a pile of different Coke products at the end of an aisle or a pile of different Frito-Lay products at the end of an aisle, you know, somebody paid that supermarket big money. To put that at the end of the aisle. It wasn't because it was on sale. or was nothing like that. There, there's, a, there's, there's, there's a reason why it's just craft barbecue sauce at the end of the aisle. Somebody's paying for that. And they're paying extra money for it. And they're paying it off the books. And they're paying it behind the scenes. And nobody's investigating those bastards.
0: That's, yeah, I always wondered how, the, how they picked. Like the other day, I was like, Rolling Rock was at the end of the aisle. And I was like, I, and I thought to myself, I haven't had Rolling Rock in a while. And so I grabbed a ro- case of Rolling Rock. And right, I was see, like, see, I was it, was like wor-
2: it was worth the investment. And in
0: my head, I was like, what, what thoughtful minded uh, gentleman that works at this store <laughs> said, you know what? No one's had Rolling Rock in a while, but I guarantee you, Rolling Rock came in. They're like, hey, this is a Whole Foods. We're gluten free. Can right. you throw us in? That's crazy. So now, um, so when you start, were you by yourself or did you have a, a partner?
2: No, no, no. I was, I was by myself. Have I was, you always been by yourself? Uh, until, uh, until I, well, I would have like maybe a newsman or something like that. Yeah. It would come there because we still did news, mm-hmm. right? You know, that would come in once an hour. But for the most part no I was always by myself right I was by myself from my very first show until uh, until well we launched the Morning Zoo yeah. I'm the asshole yeah 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 well, <laughs> well technically Scott Shannon's the asshole
0: so Scott Shannon Scott was,
2: Shannon created the Morning Zoo at, with the name yeah, in
0: fill in, Phil in anyone that's listening because this by the way is the most fascinating thing to me because uh it it this is radio that I remember. So when I remember, when I was a kid, there were two shows that you could listen to. You could listen, either listen to q five with The Morning Zoo. Right. Or you could listen to Ron and Ron. Right. okay. And and those were the only two shows you could listen to in now, Tampa. Was that in Florida? In Tampa. In and, and Tampa. Yeah. And, Tampa. And, and if you were with your mom and your dad, you listen to The Morning Zoo. But if your uncles were taking you anywhere, you listen to Ron and Ron.
2: <laughs> I see. Okay. Now, now, uh, what year are you listening to The Morning Zoo?
0: No, oh, wow. Jeez. I always, uh,. I'm guessing like the 80s. Well,
2: yeah, it would definitely be the 80s.
0: Uh, 80, I'm trying to think. Um, I graduated high school in 91, so four years before that because that was before high school. So then 80. So
2: about, about, so, uh, okay, so you
0: 86.
2: are. Now, are you listening? You're not listening to Scott Shannon, are you? Scott, Scott Shannon, oh, okay, okay. Cleveland okay. Wheeler. Okay, all right, all right, all right, all right. So that show breaks up. And everybody goes, like, different ways, okay. right? You know, one guy goes to Texas. Scott goes to New York, right? And the program director from that radio station comes to Philadelphia. I've got a show going on with a couple of wacky guys, right? And the show is called The Debella Travesty. And they do a whole bunch of research, and people really love the show. The show's doing great. Problem is... The majority of people don't know what the word travesty means.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's a really insightful. <laughs> right. It's like you're playing to a you're you're playing to a group of people that may not get it. It's like me when I wrote a book. Someone was like, "Do your fans read?" I was like,
2: <laughs> no, "No, I'm not sure." It'll, I'm like the Dr. Seuss of drinking authors. <laughs> so, so, uh, so uh, the program director comes in and he says, he says, you know, he says you should consider calling the show the Morning Zoo. Now, I hadn't heard about any of the this show in Florida, yeah. at all. Right? And, and one day, one, and by that time, my show, the, the Travesty, had five different people on it. We just kept growing and growing. Right? And and one day I said, said You yeah, this has become, become more than a travesty, it's become an out and out zoo. and all of a sudden I realized I said wow you know what maybe that word would work Yeah. right so I didn't know about any history of this show because I've never been one to pay attention to what other people in radio are doing because I'll be influenced and the last thing I want to do is be influenced by another radio show because then the next thing you know you're robbing bits from people yeah that's
0: I'm the same way with stand up I try not to watch too much Yeah. Yeah. I try to watch the greats to make sure I'm not writing anything similar to what they're writing right but as far as like anyone I like I like like I Tell I always watch because I'm just a huge fan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Chappelle I'd go see only because it's Dave Chappelle. Right. But as far as other stand up, I try not to watch too
2: much yeah, of it. No, what about uh, uh, what, 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 what's? Uh, um, oh God, 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 God. Uh, Neil Brennan. Right? I would love you, Neil uh, Brennan. You, well, you guys, know, I'm saying if you're gonna go watch Chappelle, well, you know, why you've got to watch Neil Brennan.
0: Yeah, yeah, Neil <laughs> Brennan, Kevin Brennan too. Kevin Kev, Brennan's I love a Kevin. monster.
2: I love Kevin. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, Kevin was a regular here on my show. Really? Right? And well, he's from Philly. Yeah. Right. And then he decided to go to L.A. Him and him and his, you know, his green card wife, and and you know. <laughs> <laughs> so we go back to the morning zoo. So right, so 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 he comes up with the idea and he says you should call it this, right? And so so we do. Right? and the show we're on we're on a a glide path i mean the show prior prior to it with the show was just building and building and building and yeah. building and building right and then we call it the zoo and it makes it even you know that much it it, it it's the the final wrapping that the show really needs yeah. and the show is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger to the extent and nobody in the city was ever able to say this again even as big as Howard God right he couldn't say this because the the landscape had changed but when we hit our peak every third person in this city listened to the show Holy one out of three shit. people in Philadelphia in the metro listened to the show. It was insane numbers, and although there are people who have higher numbers now because the demographics have changed and and the, the the methodology has changed, no one has ever really reached what it was we did, and we did it for the first time, and we were a contemporary radio station. It was unheard of for a rock radio station. We were in classic rock at that time. I was at MMR at that time, right? And so so uh, we. I mean, it was on national. Nash- it was unheard of and we became so big that every city in the country decided to have a show called the morning zoo
0: so when when you did it it was more like uh, it was more like just the cutting off of the sleeves of Larry the Cable Guy. It was the one thing that branded it perfectly, and everyone's like, "Oh, now I get it." Right. Without without having to without having to hear you, you know what you're going into exactly. And exactly. so and then and then that works, and then literally everyone,
2: everybody else is cutting off their sleeves, right? Yeah, every, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: dude. Yeah. I remember I remember a lot of people cutting off their sleeves of their shirts when Larry the Cable Guy started blowing up. <laughs> like maybe I can maybe I can leapfrog on this, you
2: know, but. but what they didn't realize was it wasn't it wasn't sh- calling your show the morning zoo right honking a horn every once in a while A-ooga! you know and going you know, friday friday friday, friday. friday. Right, right. Yeah, right yeah exactly exactly right and unfortunately i'm responsible for that i could play that friday 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 thing for uh, you right now until this day can you yeah, yeah. that's
0: my favorite thing and that is my favorite thing in the world
2: <laughs> wait you so you 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 want you oh. want you want you want this this is what I you want. Love it. Unfortunately, we're going to have to lay that in because I just realized it's not feeding in through the board. Oh, don't worry to about to it. Get on here. <laughs> I
0: I, just, I love that. I
2: will stick it in there afterwards.
0: Oh, I love that. Okay. That is my favorite thing. Uh, I have my buddy. Like I I try to. I, my buddy Cowhead is the first guy I ever really knew in radio. Uh-huh. So his name's Mike Cal. I should call him that because he tried to change. He was changing it, but I but I still call him Cowhead. And um, he was like my real introduction. To, like, an, a, a subtle obsession I had, which was morning radio. I do believe it's the perfect extension of a person's personality. Mm-hmm. It, it, the perfect extension of a, of a comic's personality. And I think that, like, I think that had I not gotten into stand-up, I would have tried to uh, desperately get into radio. I think I would have tried to found, find my way through radio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that that Friday thing, and then when you, especially when you're,
2: everybody's working for the weekend. Again, these, these are all these are all Bella things. I'm telling you, all these. Like, I did them first, and and again, I don't care who did it second. It didn't matter to me. I wasn't yeah. one of those people. Like, he stole my bit. He stole my bit. I mean, it, it, it's like so many people bitch and yell about that. The best example I ever heard of. There was a morning team. I was in Pittsburgh for a while. Well, the sky is brown and yellow, and the plants are as smart as the smartest of people. It's not the edge of the universe. But you can see it from there. Just a sworn oath I had after living there. All right. so, so there was this morning show there that was that was like although the long-standing morning show there were a, there were a little old school. They were a top forty sort of nineteen eighty. It is um, a slightly old school morning show, but very good. Yeah. And I read an interview in the newspaper with them and 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 one was like the Sunday magazine section. And one of the questions that the reporter asked was, "Do you ever?" steal bits take bits from other radio shows and one of the guys said no he says that would be wrong stealing somebody else's bit is wrong now we have all right, uh, done bits that other radio shows have done we've tested them on the air right to see if it would work for us and the guy says really he says yeah and then he names us one bit and i forget what it was but it was like one of their most famous bits Right. That they did every day. And he goes, he says, you know that bit? And He goes, yeah. He says, we've been testing that one for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting, that's an interesting uh,
0: motto that radio has is radio does not bo- mind borrowing successful bits.
2: Well, because, because it's, it, it's, it's not, it's not the idea. It's the presentation and the performance. Right, you know, that's so fascinating because because it's like it's like saying if I report a news story, should no one else in radio report that news story? It's so
0: fascinating because stand up's the exact opposite. People (laughs) Uh, will steal presentation and performance and and just change the words.
2: Right. Well, yeah. Well, 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 yeah. But 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 where is where does the theft begin? All right. You know, is in, in stand up. I mean, because because if you look at style. Yeah. Right. You know. I mean, there are so many. Look at how many Stephen Wrights there are out there. How many people who you could tell? All right, he's not doing Stephen Wright, but this is based in Stephen.
0: The, Wright. That, yeah. That is. Right? You yeah.
2: Know, you know. You and, and how many are based in? You know. You know. Nowadays, how many are based in Louis C.K. and how many are based? On,
0: it's so funny. And stand up, the lines drawn when you repeat the exact words or close enough to the exact words that another comic said. Mm-hmm. But we're we're completely cool with you using that st- person's style, and I th- I think. I mean, I know that I've heard uh, a lot of people say this, but um, when you're young, you can't help but borrow style from Mm -hmm, someone because mm -hmm. you don't know how to, you don't know stage presence. You don't know how to do it. And and for me, it was like, for me, I just had a very, I had a very distinct style, I guess. I found my voice before I learned how to write a joke. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. I was, I'm the opposite. I'm like a. This is going to sound horrible, but I think anyone that knows stand-up will get this. I was like a very... Like, sometimes you'll see this with black comics more than white comics, is their stage presence is fucking bananas. Uh-huh. Like, they know what they're... They know how to present, but they haven't really figured out the writing, so so they'll, they'll be a somewhat... Derivative until they find their Mm -hmm. voice and then once they find their voice they blow up white comics. It's the opposite So most of the time they learn how to write and have no idea
2: how to find a voice So they steal the voice. I mean I see I see some guys at, at helium and it's like dude You are a brilliant writer, but you have absolutely no presence right you know yeah. and you know and and you always know you always know the guy who has no when when fuck is every other word yeah. or fuck is the adjective that that is that is emphasizes every joke you have no presence you yeah. have no identity i mean you know i mean i i admire well, you know throwing the odd you know f bomb here and there or saying shit on the you know that, that, that that's fine but when you're using it as a tool of the act no Yeah, I
0: think I think it's for so many people. It's just a way to kind of uh, express emotion Mm. as opposed to use the word and myself included, by the way, (laughs) I am not separate from this. (laughs) So, uh, so, so how long did you do the morning zoo for?
2: We did the morning zoo from 1984 to maybe 92. Okay. All right. Yeah. So 92 is
0: when I am I started, I went to college and that's when radio fell off the map for me. Uh-huh. Like I just, I had no clue. I wasn't really kind of into ra- it right. because you're in college. No one's listening to morning radio in college. Oh, well, that's
2: for damn sure.
0: Yeah. Now everyone's listening to podcasts in college because that's like in college is that it's so interesting because people try to market to that age demographic, mm-hmm. but that's the last consumer because they're not watching TV, they're partying on Thursday nights. Yes. They're out all night at weekends. They they've got class in the middle of the day. When they've got time, they're napping or or maybe I guess like I know that I don't think I have a lot of po- podcast fans in college now that I think about it. I think all my fans are like working people.
2: Right, well, it's more it's more than possible. I mean, well then again, how many college kids are at comedy clubs? Not many. Well, because I can't afford it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's so funny. You're either a big college comic or you're just, you know, or you're not.
2: Uh, and the only reason why you're a big college comic is because of Comedy Central yeah. or, or 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 a podcast or or a video cast or something like that.
0: Comedy Central was brilliant in what they did is that is they marketed they marketed a sp- certain type of comic to a certain demographic and then did tours to that demographic yep. with those said comics. Yeah.
2: Yep, exactly.
0: And exactly. and I remember wanting to be one of those comics so bad. Now it's like now it's like oh I don't I like I love Comedy Central and I would work for Comedy Central any day of the week. I love the people there. They're the people that give you a career a lot and they stamp you. Mm-hmm. They stamp you as official. You're an official comic, you've done an hour right. special with us, you're real. But I like I kind of like I mean I, I don't like I don't I think Comedy Central's audience is a tad bit young from my demographic. You know? Mm-hmm. It's like when you look at like guys like Kevin Brennan like I don't see Kevin on Dan, no, on on no, comics no, Central. no, no.
2: but 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 if you if you go to if you go to if you go to their website and you look at the you know you put in comics and then that first comic page shows up yeah there ain't a college comic on there yeah, it is. Well, but well, they, they, they are. But it's Louis C.K. Bill, Bill Engvall, yeah. It, it, it's uh, uh, Gabriel Iglesias. It, it, it's uh, what? What's the hell's his name? Big fat guy. Um,
0: uh, I'm, I'm going to only guess Ralphie because he's okay. Tom Segura, John DeBella. <laughs> oh, it's me. Was it me? <laughs>
2: but but you see all these people, and they're not college comics. No, no. I mean, they they are they. Are the uh, and they're the milk and butter of of Comedy Central also yeah. or the bread and milk or, or milk and eggs or, yeah. or or French toast I don't know whatever I'm making
0: so wait did you did you used to have comics on the air or like come in studio when you were doing okay, the morning right, zoo now,
2: okay you ready for this yeah all right uh, when I started putting comics on the air nobody had put comics on the air nobody ever put comics on the air how much should I put comics on the air I opened the friggin' comedy club I owned the comedy factory outlet here in Philadelphia are you serious I was co-owner of that with Clay Heery that's where uh,
0: Kevin and, Hart got his start
2: uh, uh, and uh, no kidding, right you know, and the, you know what's the wild part about this? the friggin movie company the, the company that runs this is how stupid <clears throat> uh, uh pub- publicists are right the the company that runs uh the 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 the, the, the advertising for movies in this marketplace, yeah. all right brings Kevin Hart into town, and they bring him to radio stations every except they are not bring him to mine. really yeah well, because they feel this movie isn't for my audience. Right. Meanwhile, Kevin Hart gets his start at my comedy club. Yeah. We had one here and we had one in 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 uh, in Baltimore.
0: Keith Robinson. Yeah. All there was one of my
2: oldest friends in the world.
0: Yeah. Keith Robinson, Big J Okerson, Kurt Metzger, all the guys that uh, they all kind of made
2: more than that. And oh, much more than that. Yeah. More than that. Right. But so everybody we had comics on the show all the time. All you know, in, you know, in and out. I used to do a week of live shows in Atlantic City, and and you know, in, in, and we're talking about you know a thousand people in the main room at Trump Plaza at six o'clock in the morning, with another thousand people waiting outside. Right. To get in, because we would turn the audience over at eight o'clock. So we were on from six to ten. So if you were in the first thousand people, you get to go in at eight o'clock. They all had to leave and we'd bring another thousand people in. Wow. And and there would be every day there would be three bands and three comics who would perform during the course of the show. Really? Yeah. I mean, and and, and, Seinfeld was on my show. Seinfeld was on my show more than once. Seinfeld was on my show. He took the red eye. For, he had done the Tonight Show the night before. Took the red eye and came on my show the next morning. And we insisted that he bring something to prove that he actually was on the Tonight Show. Really? And he brought the plaque that was on his, uh, on his dressing room door. With, really? Uh, with, the, with the Tonight Show uh, Half Moon and Stars logo on it? Yes.
0: Who, who uh, like who's what comic Killed the hardest that you remember, Bobcat Goldthwait. Really,
2: Bobcat Goldthwait. This is this this was this is when Bobcat was in the height of Bobcat. Yeah, this is how a Bobcat interview would go. Bobcat Goldthwait is my guest. Ten minutes would pass. We'll be back with Bobcat Goldthwait. <laughs> really, <laughs> because there was not there. boom. Just just I, I I I love Bob so much, yeah. so much to this day we're still friends, right? But but it, it's it's like. Comedy for me—I I mean, I love comedy on so many different levels. It's frightening. I love the 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 science of writing, the 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 way a joke is crafted. I love. There's nothing I love more than than somebody who does great recall. Somebody who starts a joke somewhere three minutes into his act, and somewhere a half hour later, that joke comes flying back in. Yeah. That's brilliant to me, and right? because that joke was so damn good, three minutes. Gets into their act that a half hour later he can do a recall on it, right? And that person, yeah. and the audience just gets slayed by it all. Yeah, right? um, uh, I, I'm, I'm up for a, a, a intelligent comedy. The smarter you are, right, the, the more I really enjoy it. I mean, like, I like low, yeah. right? but, but, but you know, uh, there, there are people. Um, Paul Mercurio, friggin' brilliant. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Brilliant. Comic. Man's got serious ADD, but brilliant comic. Uh, uh, Christopher Titus. Yeah. Right. You know, again, brilliant. You know, just, just big thinkers, big, big, big thinkers. I'm not. I understand why Louis C.K. is funny. Right, And I love Louis C.K. on TV, like when he's on The Tonight Show, because that's when he proves how smart he is. Because yeah. he doesn't have to get all dirty and, and uncomfortable. But what, what makes him appealing to so many people is not why I like him at all. And, and I am the only person in America who hates Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, I just, I'm just like, nah, nah, it's like, you know, I, 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 I never found the humor uh, the, 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 the humor in uncomfortable comedy. You making me uncomfortable is an entertainment for me. It's yeah. discomfort. Right? You know it, it's it's like it's like why I stopped watching Seinfeld after the masturbation show. After the masturbation Show, I was like, there's no way this show will ever get better than this episode and that and it was never a, did.
0: that was a really good
2: right? and, and actually after that episode the show soared yeah. but, but, but the, the, or the show soared I think so yeah. soared. right, <laughs> the sword, right? Uh, but but it, it it never I mean it just again it became more about people's idiosyncrasies and and their insecurities and I was like oh, you know what? i got those people in my life I'm not going to be entertained by them yeah right? I'm not entertained by them in real life. Why would I take a half hour of my life and watch them now? So uh so so comedy and my show have been hand in hand for as long as there's there's been on my show. And really? I take great pride in being a straight man. Uh it's it's difficult to do, right? Uh I, I'm not looking for credit for it, but there would be no Lou Costello without Bud Albert. Right. I mean, it just, it just, it's a, I love finding that thing that, that makes a comic. That's why I always want to know when a comic comes into my studio, I want to know their act. I want to know not necessarily exactly what they're going to do, but but un- unlike some people about, so I hear you like merry-go-rounds cuz the guy's got a merry-go-round bit. Yeah. Right? I will never do that. I will never do something like that. I'll engage the person in a conversation that makes them remember that they have a merry-go-round bit. You did that and, to me this morning. <laughs> I did I do that. Yeah, did yeah, this
0: yeah. Morning. You've done that to me a lot where you, where it's like where like they'll you'll, they'll go like, "What are you like what what are you talking about?" like you, like we sat in the right. green room, you're, but very few hosts will go out and say, "Hey, let's let's do a pre-interview and right. find out what you, where, where direction you want to go." Mm-hmm. Most of the time, it's most of the time. There's here are the good hosts in radio, in my opinion. It's uh, it's guys who like to listen and like to laugh, mm-hmm. like guys that enjoy good conversation. Like I love good conversation, right? And I love to laugh, but uh, but I'm, I'm a, but I'm a really bad listener. Like I'm I'm a, <laughs> I'm a really bad you're listener. Doing pretty good now. No, that's because you're interesting. <laughs> There's been times where there's been times where I don't listen at all, and people people call me that. They're like call me out on that all the time. So, um, but I love that, and then I love uh, I love people that engage that that like 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 you're really good at engaging engaging the interview and driving driving the interview. So it's like one of the two, you know. But um, but yeah, that that's the best when you get led into. Like I've done it before. Um, another one of my buddies in radio, uh, Elliot. You know Elliot? Sure, sure. yeah. Elliot <laughs> will lead me into bits sometimes that'll shock me and I'll go, Oh my god, I just did that and he's like, I know. Like he's looking at me on the other side of the mic going, lose the intensity. I, I just read your book. That's where I came from.
2: <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, you and I like it'll but catch me off guard. Because well the, the problem is most check. He's are lazy. I mean, if I have a comic come in the room that I have never seen before, right, I'm going to go out and I'm going to find every bit of material I can find on that person, yeah. right, and get an understanding of what they're like, what they talk about, what they don't talk about. And, it's like and like I said to you, there is nothing dumber than a comic who comes in and says, I can talk about anything. Because if you can talk about anything, then why the fuck do you write an act,
1: yeah. right? You know, <laughs> it's
2: like, no, you can't write it. You can't talk about anything, right? Let's talk about stuff that you can talk about that you know that you can, because I'm trying to help you become more famous. I'm trying to help you sell tickets. I'm trying to help you impress this club owner. I'm going I'm gonna, to, you're going to get on stage and you're going to do four shows, two a night, whatever it is. Maybe during the course of those four days, you're going to speak to 1,200 to 2,000 people. I'm going to open up your microphone and you're going to talk to a million. Are you really going to prep more for those 1,200 than you are for the million that you're coming in to talk to me with?
0: Yeah, that's a, it's an, it's an arrogant way that comics, and I'm Guilty of it a lot. Like uh-huh. I, I've always like, oh, I can. But then it's like, if you can talk about anything, I would then be the DJ that'd be like, um, t- what do you think about uh, child labor laws in Asia? <laughs> like, oh man, I don't have a bit about that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Just steer me towards your bits. Well, yeah, right. But 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 you are smart enough to go. Well, I don't really know about that, but I can tell you, Asians. <laughs> and Now you'll go. Yeah. And now yeah. you'll go. I mean, so I'm come with with someone like you. I'm comfortable with. You know, I, I'll always want to know, is there anything you want to talk about or anywhere you want to go? Right. And because, because my time is limited. Unlike, see, I'm a hybrid and my whole career, it's been a hybrid radio show. We're not a talk show. We're not just music. You know, where you know, it, it, there was a time where there was news and all that kind of stuff. Like the morning, the morning zoo had more going on. It had news. It had traffic. It had contests. It had guests and it, and I played eight friggin' songs an hour. Really, yeah, seven to eight songs. In that seems power. like
0: a high energy cocaine show.
2: Oh, it was, I mean, that's what it was. That that is literally what it was.
0: Where are all those guys now that worked you then?
2: Uh, let's see. Uh, one I don't talk to at all anymore uh, because he just he. he, he oh. um, I, I will tell you that person's name when when, when because I don't want to trash him. I get on, uh, you know yeah. I get
0: weird about that like you you forget that people listen to these yeah, and yeah, so you yeah. get you get into a natural conversation and I've I've definitely uh I've I've talked shit about people on podcasts mm-hmm. and then regretted it instantly like uh, like I I, the, I just did a podcast with one of my buddies and I was saying something about and I was like god is this coming out right like right, I hope uh, this comes out good because I like both of the people right 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 yeah but I know what you're saying so,
2: right, right, so 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 one has become persona non grata not just for me but for everybody else who was involved in the show yeah right another one's dead uh I um uh another one is in California and he's a punch up writer right uh, another works upstairs yeah right, at mmr right and uh, you know it's, it's still working at mmr you know yeah. it's, uh, everybody else left and um and uh, other, ca- other characters that will flowed in and out are are still around the area but but for the most part the the core is is that's where it stands
0: that's right? interesting um so then so then do they get rid of the format in 94 or do you
2: ch- no, no 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 they they uh <laughs> here is here, – th- this is – and you may have heard of this format. Okay. Um, you know, the, the – the, the, I believe in research. I believe there's a lot to be learned from research. But I believe that you need to understand research and properly read research in order for research to work for you as a tool. So uh, Stern comes to town, we do our battles, uh, you know, it, it ends, it goes down, we drop from number one to number two, as Howard said, you know, and said to me directly, he said, you know, he says, John, the thing that I never got was, what was wrong with number two? So there were 34 radio stations in the marketplace. All right, I beat you. I was number one. You were number two. There were 33 other radio stations who would be more than willing to take your place. What made them think they had to fix it? And here's, how, here was their, here's their idea of how to fix it. I go into the general manager's office one day, and he says to me, he says, listen, we've done some research. And we have found that the majority of people who listen to rock radio are men between the ages of eighteen and thirty-four. I said, okay, I said, we've kind of known that for a while. He says, but we also see that the majority of people who go to rock concerts are men between the ages of eighteen and thirty-four. They are supporting this format. I said, well, that makes sense. But the majority of people who go to sporting events are men eighteen to thirty-four. I said, Okay, he says they are the same men. I went. No, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not at all. They are not the same men they're whatsoever. Just the people that get accepted for credit cards. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's not it. No, no, no. We're going to come up with this format: sports rock. Oh, jeez. And they they combined me and another guy, uh, 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 this guy here in town, uh, Howard Eskin. And, and and Howard was uh, and Howard was part of my show, right? And they says, you guys are going to do this show together, and then to to placate Howard, they told him there's no leader to the show, no one's in charge. You're both equals, right? Which means the show w- was directionless. It had it, well, uh, that's
0: impossible. Yeah, that's impossible. There's always a leader to the show, and usually it's a person standing behind the. There's one seat that you can tell right. this is the person in charge of the show,
2: right? Right, right. Well, no, no. Well, we both sat on your side, and there was an engineer over here.
0: Oh, that's yeah.
2: It was, it was terrible, and, what, and 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 so we went in in literally one rating period. We went from number two to number fifteen, and the show never recuperated. Really? Yeah. And then, pardon me. And then I went to Afternoon Drive. Really? And and, uh, and then a year later, I was gone. I retired. I was I, I flushed out of radio. I was done. I had made my money, and I made uh, my money. Right, yeah. and, and, and but I was single. I, I had no children. Uh, my first wife had passed away. Right, and you know, and I had enough money to if if I didn't change my lifestyle. Right, I could live on what I had for the rest of my life. And then I met a woman. And, and and she had a son and uh, we got together and i needed a job <laughs> so there went retirement and and i ended up coming back uh, to work in, in radio how
0: and, long have you been back in radio
2: uh i have been back in radio i was gone i was gone a, a little, about 14 months that's all i've ever been out oh yeah yeah that's all You're i've really, ever been out. that's it's a, not a retirement Right, right, you know, <laughs> right. It wasn't. It wasn't at all. You know. So. Uh, so. But. And I actually went back to work for for YSP here in Philadelphia, which was Howard Station, right? You know. And, yeah. and, and, and everybody. And I know. I know you. have got a million and one Howard questions. I don't.
0: Right, I don't I'll really do know much about. I don't really know much about it. Uh, all I know is that uh, it happened. <laughs> that it happened. And that it was. That it was. That I. I I've only heard him talk about it mm-hmm. and say that it was. And I don't know if I've heard him talk about it or I've heard someone else say it. But well, that he said. I was, was on.
2: I was on his. There was a special in the history of Howard Stern. That's what. It, that's what it was. And I it heard. Was me, yeah. it was me talking on it. It was me. You know, and I got an agreement with Howard. I said, look, I said I will be on your special, right? But you get, you have to agree. You have to agree to not edit what I say, right? And Howard said, fine. And after it was over in Deadwood, I got a phone call from Howard. He says, you know what? He says you are a better man than I am. I said, what was that? And he says, he says because he says y- you could. He says to come on here. To face this, to 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 stand up to everything that I threw at you, right, and to come out the way you've come out, he says you're you're amazing. And he says I could have never have done it. He said, he says I'm am amazed by you. He says I, you know you're a better man than I could ever be, and that was you know that was that.
0: Well, he said it was like the biggest mistake he feels like in his career. That, really? That, you well, know, I think I heard that on the special. Is that one of the his only? I didn't re- listen to it. His only. <laughs> yeah, well, that can make sense. <laughs> I was
2: there. It,
0: <laughs> for those people that don't know, and, and, I, and, I, and like I said, I don't like, I'm one of those people that if it's in my past, it's in my past, and I don't want to deal with it. Right. And there's stuff I don't like talking it's, about.
2: It's not a matter of, 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 of uh, I mean, I know it happened. And all that. It was 28 damn years ago. 28 years ago. Yeah. Right? You know, most people who are listening to this, are not in the live. I know. It's but you, like you got to remember, you guys,
0: you guys were the titans.
2: Well yeah, yeah. And it's
0: like when you see Joe Montana attack Joe Theismann, that's a bad example. But like when you see Joe Montana go after Jerry Rice, right. you're like, Whoa. And it's it's it and it's I it's it is inherent in human behavior. Mm-hmm. It's like when Dane and Louie had their beef. Right. And everyone was like I, Googling it like crazy and in comics would email you if you've seen this clip. Right. It's it's in part of people almost like to watch people fight more than they do watch make love mm-hmm. but but so for the people that don't aren't don't know and I, and I'll, I'll try to surmise this as best possible uh, when Howard got syndicated he kind of came after you in a very he, and I think I'm using his words
2: I will I will fill you in because this is the backstory that most people don't know Howard uh, goes from from DC 101 to New York goes to work for uh, for infinity. Right They put him on uh k Rock in New York, right He remember he had been fired from n b c and his mission was to crush Don Imus right so he goes into New York and he within a year's time he kills Don Imus and they you know and then they pipe him into washington d c and in no time at all he takes over washington and he's going one by one by one by one, and eventually they bring him into Philadelphia now Mel Carmesan, the man who ran and owned the company, had this one thing with Howard, which was. You cannot syndicate your show beyond infinity radio stations. You could put it on any infinity radio station that wants to take it, but you cannot, you cannot syndicate your show beyond infinity stations until you win in all of the markets that I need you to win in, and one of them, the next one was Philadelphia. No problem, right? Because after all, everywhere he'd been within a year's time, boom, kicks him, right? Year goes by. I'm still number one. Two years go by. I'm still number one. Three years go by. I'm still number one. Right. So every time a ratings book comes out and I'm still number one, all he sees is the money he's losing and how his time schedule has been screwed because I'm stopping him from being syndicated beyond his own company. Right. So after three and so so it just got it got crazier and crazier for him. Right. And what really incest everybody was I did not respond. And my thinking on that was. That's not why people are choosing to listen to me. I'm not trying to sell newspapers. And that's what they wanted me to do. Because yeah. the more that I would I would address it, the more it would become fodder for the newspapers. Well, I'm not trying to sell newspapers not in the newspaper business. Yeah. Right? You know, so so the more I ignored it, the more it enraged everyone, right? And and it was just like, you know what? Okay, three and a half years. I was number one for five and a half years. It's unheard of. Yeah. It was unheard of at the time, right? Because you know, and by the time Howard did beat me, right, think about it. I mean, Howard got really pissed at Mel one day because you know because when um, Opie and Anthony came along and they had and they were both on the same station. Right? You know, or both working for the same company, but opening at working work in the afternoon. And Howard's working in the morning. Mel turns to Howard one day and says, look, this is Howard. He says, everybody opens up doors for everybody else. Debella opened the door for you and you opened the door for opening. And Howard went berserk. Nobody opened the door for me. Da, 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 da. Howard grew up listening to me on the radio, was already on the radio when Howard was still in high school. Really? <laughs> you know, so it's like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I'm not taking it. I, I, I I don't want that to seem like I'm taking any credit for it. Howard is a talent of his own, yeah, and and and, and a genius. I, I mean, ju- the way he has been managed and the way he has programmed his life and the way he has, you know, created his career is sheer brilliance, is absolute brilliance. But would I trade all of the other luggage he has? Yeah. for that? No, I'm real happy.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> that's I, yeah. You, I mean, you look at Howard and you you can't deny mm-hmm. his. Just I mean, he really kinda changed. He, cha- he if you look at his path and it, no one was taking that path at the right. time. Right. And uh and he's an, he's a great interviewer and he seems I I mean like I said, when I all the stuff I heard about you two, he seems very uh kind of remiss about it. Mm-hmm. Is
2: it remiss right word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, remiss would work. And, and and it's the truth. But he has and Howard, Howard had a lot of issues. Right, you know, and he was working them out on the radio and working them out in the therapist's office every single day. Right, you know, and you know, and I became you know one of the tools for him to deal with those issues. But I was like, but it, you know, I, I knew who I was. Right, I I, yeah. I had I had the confidence in myself, and you know, and if people chose to listen to me, well, then they do, and and if they chose not to listen to me, I can't control that.
0: It's one of the things in radio is like is like it almost seems like guys don't mind starting a war. Mm-hmm. Like and like, like I know, I'm, and I'm a fan. I'm a fan of. I'm a, by the way, I'm a fan of you, Howard, and Opie and Anthony. Uh-huh. And like, I know that you're not supposed to be a fan of everyone. Like, uh, that seems like
2: but so. But it's but three very different. Yeah, it, it, it's it's like it's like saying you know I'm a fan of of you know uh, you know Louis C.K. and I'm a fan of uh, you know Eddie the, Murphy. Yeah, and you know it's like it's it's night and day different. deliveries, performances, all that stuff. Uh, I mean. I, I mean I mean, I, I look at myself as a perf- I'm a radio performer. I'm not a disc jockey. I understand I understand my medium. Yeah. I understand how to put it out there and how to how to how to play it for my audience and entertain my audience. I'm an entertainer. That's my job. I just happen to be doing it on the radio. Other guys are talk show hosts, right? And yeah. they're going to and they're going to take it to you know uh, you know whatever level. And Opie and Anthony. They're talk show hosts, but they 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 are two voices being one character, right? You know, and not 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 really one character, but you know, it's like because of the two of them, the show has a single voice. Right, because they're both yeah. coming from the same direction in a way, you know. So, so, it, it, but it, 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 it's three very, very different shows. So, liking three different shows, I mean, I mean, I, I like Hobie and Anthony, right? You know, and I don't really hear Howard. You know, one of the things about, about everybody was like, well, have you heard everything? No, I was on the air I'm working. <laughs> yeah, I was on the air. I didn't listen. Yeah, someone
0: said something about a TV show. I was like, yeah, I worked that night. Like, I don't really get to see it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Exactly. You know. So I, I mean, uh, I, I have, and, and like I said earlier i don't listen to other radio shows because i'm too easily impressed yeah you know and the next thing i know i'm doing something right Am i i i I, mean- I can't
0: listen to bill burr's podcast anymore because i find myself because i would really like to do a single podcast where it's just uh, me speaking uh, but uh but i find myself doing bill burr like i only because like his pacing is very him mm-hmm. but it's like it's like it's so infectious and he's like,
2: ladies,
0: like, <laughs> it's so infectious that you can't do a single podcast because you're going to end up sounding like him because there is a rhythm for one man speaking. But,
2: but the, you, I, I, And add to that, that there is a schizophrenia that certain people like, like uh, Brewer. Yeah. Brewer can sit in a room and talk to himself for hours. And I want to hear it. Like, I don't think people want to hear me talk to myself for hours. Exactly. It's 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 like it is it's an ability that some people have. And as much as you might enjoy it yourself, it just might not be for you. Yeah. You know, and and, and the last thing you want to do is be Bill Burr light.
0: Right, right. No you know, one. So, yeah. No one wants to be derivative of anyone. Yeah. I don't think you've. Been, I don't think you'd consider yourself derivative of anyone.
2: No, not really. Not yeah. really. I mean, or, or or let's put it this way: no one who is alive or still in radio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, because all of the people that I was impressed by, all of the people that I uh, really learned to do this from are either literally dead or no longer on the radio. Yeah. And, and, you know, and the one guy who still is on the radio is on, you know, Sirius's, uh, you know, standards channel playing Frank Sinatra records, you know, yeah. but, but uh, that's Jonathan Schwartz, you know, who's who, who I, I, I learned about music from, uh, from uh, Scott Muni. I learned how to, uh, well, well, I learned how to be a jokester from Dan Ingram. I learned how to tell a story. From uh who did I just say his name was <laughs> uh, Jonathan Schwartz, all right. and uh and you know, and then whatever's left over is is the natural me, you know, and, you know. But but you have those people who are you know you you understand like this is what this is what performance is all about. This is yeah. where, you know, where, where you see how it's done. Like okay, and, you know, there you. It's like actors. I mean, you know, it's like you know, you know, to say somebody like Bradley Cooper is influenced by you know actors who came before him. I mean, he's not De Niro.
0: Oh, yeah. You know? Every comedic actor these days was probably influenced by Vince Vaughn or Bill Murray or mm-hmm. someone like, I mean, Vince yeah. Vaughn, when he came on the scene, his style of just being him was so original mm-hmm. that I think you, you felt like, I felt like you'd see guys that were like Vince Vaughn light or trying to be Vince Vaughn light.
2: Uh, all right. Now, now, as long as you brought up, ben, well, you said Bill Murray and that's what made me trigger this. I'm going to tell you something that is going to make you shit your pants. Okay. okay.
0: But that's very easy right now. I think I have irritable bowel really? syndrome.
2: Oh, go. I thought you had a little side cancer. I I have sp- side
0: whatever. Cancer? I think yeah. it's splenitis <laughs> something. I'm, ba- I'm having shoulder
2: like... Uh, never mind. I'm crazy. Why don't you just come down to the fact that you slept wrong? Why don't I With come down window to the fact... open in the hotel? Why don't I right?
0: come down to the fact that I just need to stop drinking the way I'm drinking. Like I'm drinking like I'm 22, and I'm a 41-year-old man whose body is not going to last forever. <laughs> I need to get in shape. I need to lose weight, and I need to... Focus you, on my – You
2: are so prepping me for all my questions tomorrow. It's frightening. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so wait. Tell me the story. It's going to make me shit my pants.
2: Okay. So I'm in, I'm in college, and uh, I'm, I'm with a group of guys, and we put together this uh, comedy show for the college radio station called uh, – and uh, we decided – because this is college stupid, right? It's called Fulton's Folly, the Fabulously Funny Radio Program Heard on WVHE Sunday Nights at 11. Uh, we figured that way if we gave it that title, everybody would have to promote it anytime they talked about it they did, and they just called it Fulton's Folly, right? So, so Fulton, it was a bunch of us, and it was like, and it was just wacky radio bits, and we did all this stuff, and we had our own syndication deal. It was on Long Island, and other radio stations would hear it. They'd go, this is great; we want to run it too. The syndication deal was: you send us a blank tape, and we'll make you a copy. That was the syndication deal. Wow, grassroots! <laughs> yeah, yeah, So, so it was on a couple of different college radio stations around Long Island. And one of the guys who lived there, or I'm not sure if it was him or his son, would listen to the show. And the guy was Matty Simmons. And Matty Simmons was the publisher of the National Lampoon. Okay. And the National Lampoon was, you know, at that time, a lot of the people who were coming out of Second City and Groundlings and all of that stuff, right, were all beginning to write for the Lampoon. And they decided that they wanted to do the National Lampoon Comedy Hour. And we got approached by Matty Simmons, who contacted us himself directly, asked us if we would come in. So we go to Madison Avenue. We are college kids. We are sophomores and juniors in college. And we go to Madison Avenue, and we're in the offices of the National Lampoon. We're sitting there with Matty Simmons, and he tells us that that he's doing this radio program. and, And they have all of these great comics and these great writers, but nobody's done radio before. Would we help? And we say, sure. And our first suggestion is make the show a half hour long. (laughs) And they're like, no, 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 it's got to be an hour. I said, no, you don't understand how much work it takes to put together an hour of produced radio. Figure figure one hour of production time for every one minute of radio that you're going to create. So, no, 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 we want it to be an hour. We want it to be an hour. And we'd like you guys to help. Why don't you guys write the bogus commercials and psas that will run for this well the, the the so it's chevy chase it's uh it's all of the original sunday night live people it's john belushi it's uh bill murray it's all these people and i'm i'm in college and i'm dealing with these folks holy crap all right you know but we're like these you know these little college kids who are like you know, they tolerate us you know it's not like i could pick up the phone now and go hey dan Aykroyd, remember me yeah. right you know <laughs> so um, Although Murray would Murray would remember, Murray's got the heart of a of a saint. He he truly does.
0: He's an interesting guy. Yeah. He's changed a lot. Like he's he's changed a lot. He's uh, his he's apparently the guy who crashes bachelor parties. Yes,
2: oh yeah, he does. of uh, that, and uh, he's having the time of his life being Bill Murray. Yeah, That's a, he's, he's just, and, and he's happily married. He's got a great house. I think it's up in New York or Connecticut or something like that. And he's just, just the nicest guy you would want to meet. So anyway, so here, so here are all these people. And one of the people was uh, Michael Donahue, Michael O'Donohue. Michael O'Donoghue was uh, uh, had the negative Midas touch. Whatever he touched turned to shit. Right? Really? Yeah, when he when he became a, when he became a, a a major player in the National Lampoon, that's when the National Lampoon went down the toilet. When he became a, the the head writer for Saturday Night Live, that's when Saturday Night Live went down yeah. the toilet. And he was involved in this. So I had written this this bogus commercial at the time in New York and probably all over the country, but I was a New Yorker, so I, I, I was affected by it in New York. There were a bunch of buy land in places ads. Red Buttons would be the guy selling it. He would come on. Ha, ha, ha. Ho, ho, ho. Hey, it's Red Buttons here for Beau Rivage, right? And it would be these communities in in Florida and Arizona for people to buy land in and you know and go and build a house and retire there, yeah, right? So I decided, let's do a spot for buy land in Brooklyn, right? We're going to yeah. do it the exact same way. But it's going to be – now, at the time, this was like the, this kind of spot. No one had heard these things on the radio before, so they knew they were unique. They were funny as all hell. Right, it's like, Buy land in Brooklyn, and the keys were right. right? Come visit our mountains of garbage. Come visit our polluted rivers. Come visit our tree. Right? <laughs> yeah. now, see, now, to this day, I'll get a giggle or a small laugh out of that. Yeah. O'Donoghue comes walking up to me and says – Come visit our tree isn't funny. I said, What are you talking about? It's not funny. He says, This isn't funny. This bit isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. At all. I said, How do you know what is and what's not going to work? Yeah. I said, You wouldn't know funny if you tripped over it. Everything you do is just so, oh, it's so bright and so intelligent that nobody laughs at it. He's going, Yes, now here I am, right, a junior in college screaming at a man in a hallway who has serious clout at the National Lampoon, yeah, right, And that a tree is funny, a tree is not funny, a tree is funny, a tree is not funny. Well, fuck you. I'm out, and so are my guys. And we literally, because we're ideological, you know, college colleges, kids, right, yeah. right, and up we leave, and we're leaving. It's not like we're making big money on this, right, and we didn't even consider, right, you know, you know what this could mean to our futures, right? Yeah. We're gone. We're out of here. And we leave, and we quit. The next week, it becomes the National Lampoon Radio Half Hour. Really, <laughs> because without us there, they realize, "Holy shit, these guys were right." Yeah, right. You can't put that much. You know, it takes so much work to make an hour's worth of radio. That's so, crazy. Yeah, it, might have, it might have been two or three weeks, but was, yeah. uh, you know. But but well, but, uh, but early in my career, I worked with all of those people. Right? Holy I mean, crap! I, I, if if I get around to writing my book, my book is going to be called, "Oh yeah, I met him." And it's all of these stories of people that I have spent time with. I mean, I have had a miraculous life that way because there are so many people that, you know, and starting at a real young age that I have, you know, spent time with. And, you know, and time where I have a good story about, you know, spending time with, you know, this rock star or,
0: like who? Like who? Who have you hit it off with? Maybe came in and do radio, and was like a maybe is famous now as a rock star or a comedian or an actor, but you hit it off with and you partied with or whatever.
2: Peter Gabriel, really? I, well, I have a thing for Pete's. Peter Gabriel and and but especially Pete Townsend. Pete Townsend and I are are great friends. Really, right? And uh, and it's funny because I recently saw him uh, on the last tour. He was in town and and I, I saw him and I brought him. This interview that we had done like 23, 24 years ago. We did in 1993. And I said, listen, I said, uh, this is that interview that, uh, that, that we did back when, right? And uh, I said, you know, the world in Philadelphia, this is like one of the most famous rock and roll interviews that, that's ever happened. Yeah. Right? And he's going, oh, I, I, I have my copy. And I said what? And he says yeah. He says he yeah. says he says you gave me a copy. I said I still have the dats. He says there. He says they're on my desk. He says, really? Because that was one of the best interviews I ever did. Right? We did this interview. I spoke to him for two and a half hours and then when the, I went through the stage where I became sort of like John DeBella rock psychologist <laughs> yeah <laughs> there were a lot of these guys that were going through these changes because they were getting older and how how do you deal with it you know and you know and I would bring a where is this part of your aspect you've lost this person who was you and we, we would get into all of these stories right and and the night that I did this with with Townsend we talked for two and a half hours and when when I was done he turned to me and said I said, I can, I can go longer I could do more. Right? And I'm like, Pete, I-, I got nothing left. Yeah, I, I, I- nothing asked you all the ask, good ones. Right? <laughs> you know? I mean, the man, the man performed three songs in front of me closer than you are to me right now. Really? Right? There was like a microphone, a microphone. Our knees were practically touching. And he performed Join Together, uh, Pinball Wizard, and Behind Blue Eyes right in front of me really right in front of me right in you know and 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 it's like and there were other people in another room but those like those were mine and then he yelled at me because when he did when he did uh, pinball wizard right he gets to the party, you know how do you think he does it and the the, you know, the voice goes i don't know right he was upset that I didn't jump in like like I'm oh, going to like I'm going to interrupt Pete Downs. Like I'm going
0: to think it, yeah, it's time to
2: start <laughs> right? garage canning it. Yeah. Oh, right, right, no. Right. But but uh, there are a lot of people who uh, Joan Jett is one of my uh, oldest and closest friends. Really? Right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've got a lot of I've got a lot of friends who happen to be rock stars. Right. I, you know, I don't have a lot of rock star friends. And the only person I was ever wrong about in regards to that was Rod Stewart. Rod Stewart w- one of the nicest people you would ever want to meet. I always thought that he was going to be a big dick, egotistical rock star and he is so far from it it's frightening. And really? that only happened this year. What do you mean? I mean this this year we uh, he he was going to call in to to, talk, to interview for to basically you know he you, was doing a call in a call in interview, yeah. right? And uh and, and we were going to have him for 5 uh, for 10 minutes, right? He stayed on the phone for 40 Really was having so much fun in the interview. And then invited us, when I come to town, I want all of you guys backstage, I want to meet you guys, right? And we went backstage, he autographed a guitar for us, for wow, that's charity. so cool. Right? You know, it's just you know, just like, well, it's so, it's so, and and the stories go on and on and on and on and on, right? How I was being followed by Donovan for six months, uh, and, and all kinds of crazy <laughs> Wait, crime. how
0: you were being followed by Donovan? Ever- Donovan is, wait, Donovan's a Philadelphia legend, right? No, no, Who's well, that who I'm thinking of? No, you're thinking of the Donovan McNabb. Nope, 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 no, I'm no, him who's the kid, who's the songwriter who grew up on in Norristown that... Uh. Um. Uh, anyway, tell your story. I'm. I'm. My. My recollection is horrible.
2: No, I, I don't, I'm not sure who you. Who you're referencing. No, this is Donovan McLeach. Donovan of like. Uh, you know, hurdy good, hurdy good, hurdy good. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know
0: who Donovan I is. Know, who am I thinking
2: goody, goody, of? Goody, 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 goody. Yeah. You need an echo for that, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you know, um, everywhere. This is funny though. Now he didn't know he was doing this. I was, <laughs> I was in in Philadelphia, and I was on my way to the West Coast. And as I was leaving Philadelphia, there were ads on the radio for Donovan was coming to perform someplace. Right? I get to. Uh, I, I, I am going from Philadelphia to um, Hawaii. I'm going on vacation. And and at that time, if you wanted to take, there was no direct flight from Philadelphia, so you could go to either Chicago or uh, St. Louis. And I get into St. Louis, and we're sitting waiting to play, change planes, and there's a couple of hours delay, and the radio's playing, and there's a ad for Donovan coming to St. Louis. Okay, fine. Okay. so I get to Hawaii. We're staying at the Hyatt in in Maui, right? And who's performing? Like the night before we leave, Donovan, all right, so everywhere I go, I can't avoid the man, yeah, all right, now, I come back, and on the way back, I have to do a charity special, right. For for, uh, for oh, I forget some prickly heat. I don't know what the hell it was for. I had to do some charity special in L.A. So we leave on vacation. I'm going to stop in L.A. and I'm at the Universal Studios. You know those two big towers right yeah, there, yeah, right, yeah. right by the 101. Yeah, right one of them. Is, uh, it's a Hilton or something like that. Sheridan. Uh, Sheridan. Okay, so I go. I'm checking in. I go walking up to the elevator. Elevator doors open. And who's standing there but Donovan? Really? To which I say, stop following me! (laughs) (laughs) No, I freak him out. I freak him out completely. Right? It's like he has no idea what I'm talking about. Four weeks later... He's performing on my shows in Atlantic City. Those shows I told you about. Before. Yeah. And he comes out on stage and he's, and he's like, "Really? I'm not following you. I'm really not following you at all."
0: Oh, so, that's crazy. So
2: so mean it's, it's wacky stories like that where sometimes it's not I don't necessarily have a complete contact with it, but it ends with something like, you know, along those lines.
0: Do so. you think how 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 long do you think you'll do radio for?
2: Uh, I'm about to sign a new deal. I'm about to sign another three year contract. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm, I love it and I'm having more fun now than I have had in easily 25 or 30 years. Really? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it is, it is, I mean, understand I've been in Philadelphia alone for 31 years. Right, huh. you know, and and that's what all these jerseys are about. They were, although they're all from last year, I don't want to have them switched to thirty-one. <laughs> that's
0: so funny. What's how's Philly changed in third in since the sense of time you've been here?
2: Um, it's 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 cleaner. Uh, it's hipper. It still is very very. Uh, if, if Philly has Philly has two drawbacks, and they are. It's the worst highway system in the nation. (laughs) It's just terrible. It's truly it's like it's like being in New England. You can't get there from here. Yeah. Right? You know? <laughs> uh, and Philadelphia drivers only know one way to get everywhere, right? You know, if you want to know how to get around Philadelphia, ask somebody who's not from here. Yeah, right. Somebody who somebody who's not from here takes chances and finds other ways to go places. Philadelphians oh, yeah. learn one way, and that's the only way to go. Yeah, right? and it's a city of neighborhoods, right? And they it pride itself in being a city of neighborhoods. But unlike other cities, right, these. Neighborhoods neighborhoods don't band together. So they don't, you know, it, it's, it's never, it's like in New York, you know, Queens might go up against Brooklyn, but it's all the Queens that's for Queens, Yeah. right? You know, in Philadelphia, like, oh, you know, but, you know, Northeast Philadelphia might be Northeast Philadelphia and greater Northeast and maybe Mayfair and a couple other areas and stuff like that, you know, and they don't all, no, 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 I'm from my area and that's it. So they don't team up enough. Yeah. My f- to, my
0: family was from the main line. Right? Oh, Were they?
2: Where yeah. Front? Where in the main line? Uh, like
0: uh, out by, out by uh, Villanova. And-
2: okay. Well, there's Villanova. There's Gladwin. There's Bryn Mawr.
0: Bryn, my, mom, my sister was born in Bryn Mawr Hospital. Okay. All right, my, all right. My grandmother lived across the street from Valley Forge Military.
2: Oh, okay, and so the, on so, Saint so, David's. So, so that was so, so that would well that that really is yeah I guess that that is that is oh, where is that that's Wayne Wayne,
0: Wayne. that's Wayne. it I that's knew the, I knew the answer to that I don't know why I didn't just tell you <laughs> right, right, yeah right. I don't know why I didn't
2: no, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm a mainline asshole myself
0: I remember I remember driving and there was a, sound, a sign th- I just remember driving through a sign that said Germantown yes,
2: yes and uh, I
0: remember being like Germantown
2: we also have Swedesboro
0: Swedesboro <laughs> I, you know, yeah it's interesting <laughs> I'm taking my grandmother to dinner on Sunday. Oh, okay. What you saying? Yeah, she's. Uh, yeah, she, I'm going to stay Sunday night because uh, it's the flights into. I got to go to Huntsville, Alabama.
2: Oh, that's a thrill.
0: Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so I've never been. Oddly enough, I like. I always like the South. South <laughs> is really charming to me. So, like, you go to a place like Huntsville, and I just want to go to all the gas stations. Like, I love that about the South. That's the one thing that the North doesn't have on the South. The gas stations have so much authenticity to them. And I told this I was taking this kid on a uh, trip flip. I was taking these, this whole family. It's going to air, I think ne- in a couple weeks, we take them to Orlando and I got the two kids and they're from Pittsburgh. And I said, and we're in uh, Florida
2: where the sky is brown and yellow and the plants are smart as the people. It's not the edge of the universe, but you can see it from there. And, and so
0: <laughs> I got the kids. They're the, it's the, they're the gross family and I got the kids and I go, I know that's the name. <laughs> they call themselves gross people. And so, uh, I take their kids into the store and I go, guys, this is the best thing about the South because we're in Florida and we're in like old's. No, I want to. I we're in uh, out by Crystal River. I go, this is the best thing about the South is rednecks. And I was like, I'm from the South, and I'm telling you, I go, do you guys know what a redneck is? And they're like, no. And I was like, you don't know what a redneck is? I go, they're like, no. I go, it's um. It's it's the culture down here. It's, uh, I go, look, I'll show you. So we take them into a grocery store, and I go, and you're going to love redneck fare, like redneck food. They got pig's feet. They got pickled eggs. They got uh, boiled peanuts. And they walk in, and it just turns out the, the grocery store we walk into is owned by Indians. And so, the, and the kids just staring at them. They're, and, 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 and
2: I, You mean dot nut feather? Right, right. Okay. And so, and so,
0: I, and I'm and I'm just let down. So we go in. They don't have anything. We walk out, and the kids are like, "Were those rednecks?" And I was like, "No, no, they were not." <laughs> no, no. And I was like, "Oh, we just wait. We'll run into them. I promise."
2: No, they were Pakistani's. <laughs>
0: and I was like, "No, they're not red. They'll never be a redneck.
2: They don't have the burn." When we're when we're done, I will tell you why rednecks are called rednecks, and I bet you you have absolutely no idea why. I thought it was because uh, they worked in the fields. That's what everybody thinks, but that's not it. Why can't you tell me on this? I can tell you now. Alright. Uh, the, the, the group of people who uh, really settled that part of the South, and especially Florida, were the Scotch-Irish. And the Scots-Irish were, were literally a combination of those two societies who came over to the United States. They, were, they, 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 never even, they never even started in the North. They started, like, in Georgia and worked their way down there. And they were, you know, basically, you know, mocked and vilified, you know, and, and they ended up settling in Florida. And in order to identify themselves to each other, they would wear red bandanas around their necks Hence, rednecks. Are you shitting me? No, that is that is it. Oh, the one thing you don't want to do is get into history conversation with me. Holy uh, crap! Eddie Hazard was here a couple of weeks ago, and we just had a field day because he is like I am, like I, I am, I am dust. I am dust on a countertop in comparison to the deep topsoil that Eddie that Eddie Hazard is when really comes to history. The man knows. The man knows so much. It's frightening. It is frightening. But that oh, but that is why they are called rednecks. And I gave you the abridged version of it, but that's, that's really where it comes Fucking from. fascinating. <laughs> I,
0: I always feel weird when the I curse. The only thing and-
2: that's new in the world is the history you don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm sorry. Harry Truman, not me. <laughs> so, <laughs> God,
0: this has been a blast. I really appreciate you doing this, oh, that's John. That's
2: quite all right. That's quite all right. I, I had a blast doing it myself, to tell you the truth. I what's, would do this anytime. That's why when you said you needed somebody to do it, I volunteered. I never do it. I'm always the interviewer. Yeah. I'm never the interviewer. Well, you're fascinating.
0: you got a wealth of history, especially radio history. I'm and old. I feel like.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> 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 what's. Uh, do you have any regrets in your career uh
2: let's see in my career
0: like yeah i mean life is life is one thing I, I have regrets but
2: like career regrets like career regrets would probably would be if anything at all uh two things one is that my present wife wasn't in my life earlier yeah and that i really didn't have um, i i never throughout my life Never had uh, good guidance. It was always trial and error. I never had a mentor who, who helped me through stuff. I mean it's one of the reasons why – it's one of the reasons why I envy Howard because he had Don Buckwald, yeah. right? You know, and, 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 and Howard had a plan and Don Buckwald made that plan happen right you know, and i never uh, so so i regret i trusted people too easily, I got screwed multiple times the i I lost more money to managers and lawyers than most disc jockeys make in their careers yes. right you know so uh so but those are the only we only regrets that that i that I really have i wish uh i you know I, uh, it would have been nice if I really knew how to play an instrument. I mean, I was a drummer, yeah. but but you know that's like saying, "Ooh, I can tap things." Right? Um, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, but that's not really a regret. But those those are the things. So, yeah, if there was a way that my wife is a, is a is a business genius, really, right? Well, here I'll, I'll give you my favorite story about my wife and what a business genius she is. I had sold a home. This was ju- before we got married, and I had a business manager at that time. And uh, my wife, in her previous marriage, had handled all of the family business and investments and all that stuff. It's not, this is not what her background is, right? You know, but, but she was just good at it. So I, I, I had sold this house, and I got a nice piece of change, and I took half of it, and I gave it to my business manager, and I took the other half, and I gave it to my wife, and I told them to do something with it. There was, it was money I sort of fell into because I had a new home, and I had just sold this other one. I didn't, you know, I could have just put it in the bank or invested or in something. So let's see what these people can do with it. And neither one knew that the other one had it, right? So I, a, a year later, I turned to my business manager, and I want an understanding. I went, okay, what's my return on that money that I, I gave you? And he increased by 12% which is you know that's that's uh, that's great i yeah. mean you know anybody will gladly take 12% is better than any bank's going to give you you know over the money that you know uh, over that investment my wife doubled it <laughs> Would she take it to a casino? No, no. She just invested in the right things and and put the money in the right places. And I had to. And I, that's why I don't have a business manager anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. So so I wish she was in my life earlier.
0: Yeah, my wife's right. like that. My wife will. My wife will go. You want to be cheered up? And I'll be like, What? She like, look how much money I saved. Right. And she'll click it, and I'll be like.
2: Wait, how did you do that? Yeah, well, my my, my wife, I have the sort of my wife. She, I say she's frugal. She says she's value oriented. All right. <laughs> All right, but when my wife is holding a quarter, you can hear the eagle scream.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking great line! Oh, that's such
2: a great line. <laughs> it's Like, oh, that's tight. That is oh. tight. All right. So. All right, dude,
0: thank you, John. Uh, I really appreciate this. This has been thank, a blast.
2: Thank you so, thank you so much. This is this has been so much fun. I, like I said, I never get the opportunity to do this. So this
0: is too it Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate uh, it. See
2: you tomorrow. See you. I'll see you tomorrow. That was great. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome.
0: This
1: episode was brought to you by the machine.